This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. What's up, everyone? Welcome to The 20 Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Spider. DJ Spider. Our show is brought to you by BeatSource, the music streaming service for DJs that play everything. BeatSource has got all the music you could need for every gig, along with expertly curated playlists, songs no other record pool has, custom edits, and so much more. Visit BeatSource.com for a free 30-day trial, or you should be happy you're listening to this show because we got a 60-day trial. That's right. Use our code, THE20, and bump it up to 60 days. Thank you to everyone that has been coming out to my gigs, supporting the podcast, sending me messages, and all that. As always, you can send me a direct message uh, at DJ Spider on Instagram, at DJ S-P-I-D-E-R, as well as you can link to all my other pages on there and see my upcoming gigs, which I want to tell you about February 20th, Sunday, I will be in Las Vegas doing my debut show at Marquee Las Vegas. So book your flights, come on out, let's go, meet me in the booth, come on baby. Um, all right, now on to our guest of the day. We've got someone incredible for you. Our guest today is one of the most prolific, successful, and probably hardest working songwriters in modern history. He has given DJs, that's right, us, DJs, countless hit records to play for crowds globally over the past 20 plus years. Um, and I mean hit, hit records, songs that I know all of you guys play. Um, smashes such as Justin Bieber's What Do You Mean, Usher's Caught Up, Dan and Shay's 10,000 Hours, Chris Brown's I Can Transform Ya, as well as the 13 times platinum Despacito remix with Justin Bieber. He does a ton of work with Justin Bieber. His catalog has registered over 350 million sales worldwide, dozens of multi-platinum certifications, and 100 billion streams and counting. At the same time, his entrepreneurial portfolio includes H-Factor Water, Wonder Brett Dispensary, Gaming Team 100 Thieves, NFT projects and collaborations, and a joint venture with Def Jam for his own birthday music record label. Above all that, what I learned from this is that he's a humble, amazing, and inspirational human that I was extremely lucky to sit down with and learn from and talk to. So I hope you guys enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Please welcome to the show, Pooh Bear. It's the 20 podcast, and we have got Pooh Bear on the show today. Make some noise, everybody. Make some noise. Let's go. The crowd's cheering. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. (laughs) Yes. Yo, thank you. I feel good just you saying that to me. (laughs) Yes. Um, Every day. Every day. I mean, such a such a good way to start a conversation and to start uh, off anything yeah. right there. I love it. You know, makes me feel good. And, you know, for everyone out there, it's not my birthday. But, uh, you know, you... Every day you wake up is your birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yes, so, sir. You're right. Yep. We all got to feel special, especially during these crazy yes. times, right? So... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's amazing. So, I mean, you know, you are known for saying happy birthday as your greeting. Like, where did that come from? How did you start doing that? Um, I started saying happy birthday. I used to be really shy when, okay. I was, um, when I was younger. And I just figured out, I would just find out ways, figure out ways to make myself feel comfortable. And um, one of the ways was me practicing being myself at all times. Um, and And I just started saying happy birthday. I might have been like, 14, 14 years old. It was a high school. Right. And I, um, I just, I started saying it and I was saying it just as like, 
like just something to make myself feel comfortable because I was I was always I've always been strange or like unique. Right. And um, I would just say happy birthday because I want people to feel like like oh they want I want them to know like I'm crazy immediately <laughs> yes. and that way maybe they feel comfortable enough to be themselves when they introduce themselves because nobody really introduces themselves it's they so always true. introduce their representative you know they never it's never their who they really are so I try to break the ice for happy birthday then it turned into a philosophy of like every day we wake up you know it should be a birthday like you shouldn't wait to one day out of the year to feel really special or important you should like feel that way every day it doesn't have to be over the top but you should definitely like feel like it's your birthday because i feel like you know i think we when we sleep we you know we're we're you know we're kind of playing around with death and then we come back to life so every day we're really reborn again every day we wake up so yo i love it that's that's so true and um it's a good way to look at things you know especially like like i was saying nowadays you know a lot of people have been going through a lot of hard times and, you know, ups and downs through everything. So any little thing you right. can do to, to lift people's spirit and, and give them something. And the not being yourself. I think it's so important to be yourself nowadays. You know, people are just really want to fit in or, or be what everyone yep. else wants them to be, especially with social media and all that. And, like, yeah. you got to yep. be yourself, you know. You, the people that are yep. themselves are the people that shine through and that, you know, are the – most successful, you know, and, and most inspirational, yes. you know, I think that yep. you originality, originality. Right. Yeah. When you try to fit in with everything, you blend in, you know, you, you, you want to stand out, you know, it's good to be yep. different. Um, want to stand out. Yeah, that's yep. true. Absolutely. Man. All right. Well, we're so happy to have you on the show. I mean, you're a living legend and, uh, uh you have, you know, uh, thank you. you've, you've, you know, this, this show is through the lens of DJs. So, you know, the type of DJs that play okay. everything. Like, it's like we're open format DJs. We DJ everything from the smallest little bar to the biggest Vegas clubs to special events to to all that. And I feel like your music, you've given us uh, so much music to play, you know. So thank you from for, uh, from all the DJs. And, you know, you're... For the oh, just over the past twenty years, like your music has resonated with me personally, as well as I know the entire DJ community. Um, so yeah, thank uh, you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for supporting me, man. I appreciate it for sure. I never yeah. take it lightly. Never yeah, take the, it lightly. the DJs have your back, you know, and um, you know, just going back to probably one of the first uh, records you made. I think when you were in high school. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, was with 112, uh, Peaches and Cream, yeah. and Dance With Me. Dance With Me, I was in, um, in Anywhere was my first. I was 16. I anywhere. was in the 10th grade. With any, we could do it anywhere. 10th grade. That was grade. my very first co-write. As a, yeah, I was in 10th grade, yeah. <laughs> How did you even know, like, yep. the lyrics, like, to even <laughs> talk about that stuff? That's um, crazy. I did it. I didn't do it. I did it with Duran and um and Q from One Twelve, so it was like okay. it was collaborative, and um, that was my first. You know, we were young. We were in Atlanta, man. We you grew up fast in Atlanta, like yeah. you know everybody yeah. lost their virginity really young in Atlanta. So true. They're like like perverted, nasty records. They were like you know it's like two. We grew up listening to Two Live Crew. Like when we were able, like when I got out of a really strict household, I was listening to the worst music ever when I turned when I moved to Atlanta. Right. So you know you get influenced by by the you know by the perversion and um 
at a young age. And uh, it's just, it's just, um, it was the blessing that they were able, that they were able to take a liking to me and write with me at that young age and give me an opportunity, give me a chance to really, you know, be a part of that record. So thank, thank you, 112. Thank you, Bear. My cousin discovered 112 and Jagged Edge at one talent show. At and, um, one talent he, show? They were at one talent show, Jagged Edge and 112 performing. They didn't have those names, but they were, um, he ended up, you know, managing 112. And then he was like, you know, you know, if you, if the guys like you, maybe you could write with them. And then, um, that was my chance. And then I went to the studio with Duran and we came up with anywhere. Wow. That is incredible. Like l- classic records. I mean, you know, I've been DJing for a really long time, <laughs> over 20 years. So yeah. I got those on vinyl. They were in my crate in wow. the very front. Every time I would go to a gig, wow. I had the times. I knew when I played them, what I mixed them with, you know, the bass lines yeah, they went with. Everything. Um, yeah. So, you know, and they, they're Dance still. Still plays, man. I still, like, still. I, was a, I was somewhere last night and they just started playing. I was like. I wonder. I wonder if they're playing this because they know. And I'm like, nobody knows me. <laughs> they're just playing the regular DJ. Was just playing dance with me. Like, and I looked at my wife. I was like, yo, they still play. I was like, I can't believe they still play this record. She was like, they play this song every night somewhere yes. in the club, in the world, everywhere, everywhere. I'm like, wow. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess it's hard for me to like to fathom that. It's I know. Just, so long ago, I was 16. That's crazy, man. That that's unbelievable. And, and, but but that's a testament to it, and, and that's what I'm saying. Where you make these unforgettable club records, and I think club records are known as like sometimes, especially nowadays, like microwave type music. You know, where it's like they they are yeah, they for the moment. They yeah, are yep. But and also songwriters don't always have such a long shelf life or whatever you want to call it. You know, oh, from it's like two years, two years, two, two to three years, two, year, two to three years is the life, and that's if you're really good, right? So that's that's unbelievable. Yeah. And you've really proven yourself over time with just constantly coming with these records, you know, that that us that DJs can play and that I think club goers want to sing along to and dance to. And you just have that Thanks, ear man. where you can keep it. I don't know. Catchy enough. People want to sing along. Simple and, simple and effective. Simple. Yeah. Simple and effective. Right. Yep. Simple enough. Simple enough for kids to sing along, but effective enough for um, a Harvard scholar to yes. be mentally stimulating, you know what I mean? So it's like this fine line of like simple and effectiveness that that that's able to like resonate with you know with the majority of people, right? You know? So right. it's it's a blessing. I I don't take it for granted, and I'm appreciative. I don't feel like everything I write is a hit. I just I'm just grateful that I'm still able to. I'm still my frequencies are still in the universe, and I'm still able to to have records out and records on the charts, and it's pretty it's cool. Yeah, um, I, but I don't take it lightly. I know it's a, I know it's a blessing, and I know that I the average lifespan of a songwriter is two, you know, two to three years tops. So right, that's nuts. And do, do you ever think of DJs when you're making these records? Like, is that ever a thought in your head? You know what? At yeah, at, at times, yeah. When I'm when I'm when I'm when I'm directly making a record for the club radio club, I am thinking about what DJs are like, what would they be able to mix this with? What would this, you know, what would, the, what would come, what would be great before, what would be great after this? Or like, those are little things that a lot of people don't think about, but I am thinking about the tempo. I'm thinking about all those things. And that comes back, it comes down to a DJ. Cause like, those are the things that make the club move and, you know, keeping it at a certain, you know, BPM and it, all those things are really important. And, I'm definitely thinking about the DJ when I'm making a club record and um, just making sure that I feel, you know, making sure that I feel like it's gonna, 
inspire and um and, and and get everybody going and get the DJs going, man. That's the that's the goal. Because when I can move the DJs, then you know you guys translate it and you you put it out to the world and you you know when you with your passion behind it, you know you can feel it. So I have to really I'm making records for the people, but I am definitely making records for for the DJ. I want I want the DJs to love the records and be like, oh it's, oh man, this goes perfect with this record. You know, like without even having to think about it. It's like, oh, this is the same key. Oh, wait a minute, it's the same tempo. You know what I mean? So those are those are little things that I definitely think about. Yeah, exactly. Like your your records are inspirational in such a way to DJs that like you inspire us, I think, to make routines out of them, you know, and they'll spark, okay, this goes with that song and, and that kind of thing. Or, right. you know, we know the crowd will dance to this in Vegas or wherever I am for this right. or if I drop this. And, right. um, you know, right. it's just uh, – that, that's cool to hear, you know, that the DJs can have that, that kind of influence on on the yes. production and such like a back and forth thing. Um, I mean, because even just the to DJs name a few. Every, oh, sorry. Go ahead. DJs are every, I just feel like the DJs are, are the most important. I mean, I just do. I feel like they're, you know, you guys are our are, are liaison to the world. You know, yeah. you are, you know. You know, um, represent you're our representatives. Or like, you know, you're the ones that you know display our music, and you either you're either gonna keep playing it or you're not. So it's really important that you guys are are um, passionate about it, and you know that you're just you're just important to us always. Right. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you know, from yeah, the 112 to like Usher, caught up. I was just trying to think of ones that are always in my DJ set still, like yeah. Usher, Peaches caught and Cree. up. Still play Peaches and Cream. Yeah, I mean, Peaches and Cream. And like I said, I have it on record, you know, over here. Like, I remember having to go and save up, you know, and get all get all this stuff on vinyl, you know, before I could just download right. it. And, I mean, right. and Usher caught up. Like, Where Are You Now? Jack You with Justin yeah. Bieber. Yeah. I mean, and some of big. these songs were um, almost like, uh, I don't know, pivotal points for music. Oh, no, they changed, they changed. Where Are You Now? Changed the direction of music. Yeah. Absolutely. And I could like, see it be, firsthand. Like, me, I was in Vegas at that point every week. And when, yeah. and so you're like, wow, where do I play this? What do I play this with? It's 80-something right, right, right. BPM. So it goes to a weird yeah. drop. drop. I got to see yeah. what the crowd thinks, you know. And then so it's, it's crazy because as a DJ, you're watching the tastes change too. And you're right. figuring out what how works, to what doesn't work. bring it in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I mean yeah. that one was such a change, and then even like I can transform you, Chris Brown. Oh, you, oh, you, you, oh, you remember this? I can transform you. That was another one that was huge, not the typical club record. Yeah, but it wasn't like your typical. It was amazing. I did that record with Swiss Beats, so it was like he is he is the club. You know what I mean? He understands club sonics the best, right? But um, yeah, I can transform you, man. I, I wish I hate that. That was a time when Chris Brown and Rihanna got into that altercation yeah. and nobody would work with him. And I was like, I'll work with him. Like, everybody deserves a check, second chance. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I went to Orlando and I did that record and like four other records on that album. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but it was, that was cool. That record was, that record got me, that record introduced me to uh, Swedish House Mafia. They reached out to me. David Guetta. All these, all the like EDM DJs in yeah. like 2010. Because of Transform You, all started like David Guetta took me on tour with him, and was, I was wow. writing on a jet with him. Yeah, so That's crazy. Um, and then Swedish House Mafia, um, Layback Luke, all these DJs I met based on that record Transform You because they all were like, "Yo, this is electronic." It was like the introduction 
melodically to what they were seeing EDM was going to evolve into. And I didn't, I didn't even know what I was doing. And I'm trying to write, I don't even know how to write an EDM record at the time. <laughs> I'm like trying to write over, I'm trying to write over the drop, like the main part with that you're not supposed to do anything over. I'm writing, I'm trying to write over it and I had no clue. Like, yo, this is supposed to be like the drop is supposed to be by itself. And, um, but that record opened the door for the uh, electronic community. It was crazy. Like, Every like literally David Guetta. I mean, I can go down the list of all the DJs that flew me to either Amsterdam or Ibiza. You know, Ibiza. I'll try to say it the right way. Um, <laughs> I'm with you. I know. I'm like Ibiza. Ibiza yeah, right. It just feels bad to say it the right way. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm pe- like I'm picking on somebody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. And you're referring. Are you referring to uh, where are you now? Like the Jack U one or I can transform you. I'm talking about I can transform you was wow. 2010. And that's when. Yeah. Like David get a layback loop. Um, I can go on like all these different DJs from the Netherlands, from Paris, from Spain. They're all flying me over. And they were like, I was like, what, what made you? I'm like, how do you know about me? They're like. I can transform you. Like, we love this record. I'm like, whoa. I would have yeah. never translated yeah. that into turning into EDM DJs wanting to work with me. It was strange. Right. Um, where are you now? Where you now changed music forever. Where are you now? There was no music on the radio that had a drop no. with nothing, which is like a little, vo- a little vocal sample. That was unheard of. Like, they were like, everybody was like, where's the bridge? So that, and then after where are you now? Every song had yep. that little drop. It's so true. For like, still to this day, like there's still people that won't let it go. But you know, like from like 2015 to 2018, it was like a little vocal chop. Here goes the post hook. It's a little vocal chop, yep. and it's like, whoa, this changed the direction of music literally. No, that that's so, so true. That, yeah, that's yeah, crazy. With, and I mean, I was thinking of other ones like I'm the one from DJ Khaled's album. The one. So yeah, so just, simple, yeah. like you said, so simple. But everyone wants to, you know, it it it's fixed yeah. with people, you know the. It's clever. It's simple, but you know when you listen to the wordplay, um, see, um, see the money don't lie. Yeah, see, looking at the truth, money never lie. Like the words of it were, you know, see you watching, don't run out of time. There were real like rap bars, like double meanings, and so it's like when people really listen to it. Melodically, yeah, it can move you and it's it's catchy. It's like a nursery rhyme. That's that's you know that's a part of the secret. But you know, lyrically, it was bars. It was metaphors. It yeah. was you know, on double entendre. So you know, it was one of those things that when I first got the record, when I first got the music, DJ Khaled, he sent me something, and um, I didn't. It was something else somebody had wrote, and I was like why are you sending me something else that somebody wrote? And then he went and he played it for Justin. And Justin was like, look, I like the music, but you got to let Pooh Bear write it. And um, so then Khaled sent me, he was like, yo, Justin said he loves this, but you got to write it. And I went in, I, I he booked the studio for me. I wrote, I'm the one in like 20 minutes. Wow. You know, I did, I did all the parts that, you know, all the singing parts and everything in 20 minutes. And then Khaled was like, yo, this is a number one record. And I'm just thinking like, it's cool. It didn't sound like anything I've ever heard before. So I was like trying to figure like, how does this go? Number one, because it doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before in my life. Right. You know? Yeah. And it ended up, it ended up being Cal's only number one on hot 100 his biggest record to That's date. So really, it's pretty, it's 
I didn't blessing, realize yeah. that. That's incredible. Yeah, Wild Thoughts went number two. All those other records that went like number three, number two. I'm the one was the only his only number. That's his only Hot 100 number one in his career. Wow, man, it all I'm, comes I'm back to, to that simplicity of, to too. Be, yeah, and I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of that because like when I look back through my career, thank God. I've been blessed to be able to be a part of these artists, whether they're still relevant or not. Yeah. I'm a part of their biggest songs. Yeah. And they're like, you know, like you can go to 112 and you can't think of 112. I say, you ever 112? They'd be like, no. I'm like, you ever heard of Peaches and Cream? They're like, I love that song. So people remember the song more than they remember the actual artist. It's, it's so crazy true. how that works. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's just a blessing to be a part of every artist that I work with. I can say that I'm, I, I have something to do with their biggest hit. And it's you know, yeah, it's really awesome, man. I mean, down to down to Daddy Yankee, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Right, that's this the thing. Crazy. You don't really like. You're not the kind of produce. I mean, the the kind of songwriter that's limited to just one genre no. or, temp, or tempo or even language. I'd have been gone years. Yeah, I would have been gone like 15 years ago. If I if I wasn't like constantly changing genres, like I lived in Kingston, I wrote reggae, I got number one reggae songs, I got really you like know, 10, which one? hours. Uh, I wrote Jacure. I did like a lot of Jacure album. I wow. did two albums: World Cry, Unconditional Love, Find That Girl. Amazing. I did all those songs. I did both albums in their entirety. I wrote there. I lived in Kingston, Jamaica. Amazing. So I did. I, I worked with Movado. You know, I worked with Damian Marley, Junior Gone. I worked with. You know, I lived in Kingston, and I did. You know, I worked with Zach Brown Band. I went to the country, and I did two, ten thousand hours that day. Yeah. So, and, and um, and um, you know, for me, I just always wanted to be able to have success in every genre and not be limited, because nobody expects that. Like nobody expects for me to be able to, you know, do a song like "Where Are You Now" and then go to a record like "Despacito" and then go to a record like ten thousand hours. And then, you know, go to a record like, you know, um, like Japanese. I wrote a number one Japanese record for an artist um, named um, Utada. And we had the record, we had a number one song in Japan. And it was on the, the video game Kingdom um, Kingdom Hearts. Okay. Yeah, but, but it's just for me, I've always just wanted to prove that I could write and have success outside of R&B. And R&B is what I started off doing. So it was like... It was just for me trying to prove a point and getting in and learning, understanding the sonics and what makes these songs, what makes a country song country, what makes a reggae song reggae, what makes it, uh, you know, an EDM record, an EDM, like knowing all those things and just being able to navigate through those genres and try to compete in those genres, but, you know, against other people who, that's all they do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going against people who all they do is reggae talk every day, but I'm like, I'm going to try it out, you know what I'm saying? I go in and, I worked with um, Jay Balvin on Energia, you know, which was great. That was um, a great album. And then I ended up working with, with Louis Fonzi on Despacito, on the Despacito record. And it's just like, I would have never in a million years thought my biggest song to date would be, you know, predominantly Latin. Right. It's crazy. That's incredible. That, yeah, that's like my big, and it's like one of the biggest songs of all time in yeah. history. Like, crazy. All time. No, that, that's yeah, man. huge. What do you think the the through line of all of it is? Like like you said, you come from R and B, which is known as such soulful music, you know, mm -hmm. and like I think there's something you're able to bring authenticity and genuine uh soulfulness and, and songwriting to these genres that might seem like surface, you know, pop they stuff. Are, yeah. 
that's a part. Of, that's a part of the secret, man. The part of the secret is putting my soul, yes, in every in every genre, that's and that way, here, yeah, yeah, and that way you could like when I now when I go around the world, man, I hear even if I don't write, if I haven't write, written a song, I hear me, like I hear all my melodies on the radio, yeah, in the clubs. I'm with Maluma. I'm like, I'm looking at Maluma. I'm like, bro, like, and I'm hearing these songs come on in the club. I'm like, yo, that's my, those are my melodies. And he's like, Pooh Bear. He's like, you, your songs influenced the world for years. Like, he said, they have, he said, you can't, have, like, people study you and they study your style. And so I'm like, now, no matter what country I go to, what language, I hear myself. I hear my influence melodically. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, it's just really, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, adding the soul to every genre, it allows people to resonate. And it's like something about soul that doesn't allow your emotions to deny it. And like when you when you put the right amount of soul, it it, it moves people's emotions as opposed to just being pretty or, you know, like all the like you said, the surface things, you know, yeah. it's like you put the soul, it's like now you find yourself needing to hear this song again as opposed to, oh, it's cool. Now you find yourself like your your actual body that you actually are yearning the or you are a missing yearning the frequency that was resonating with you. You know what I mean? Because everything's frequency yeah. based. So yeah. you know, once you tap once that frequency taps and it hits you, it's like, oh man, I wanna feel like that again. And even if you don't know you wanna feel like that again, your your body does. So all of a sudden you'll download it to your playlist and you, or you got to wake it like, I need to hear this song before I do anything. Or I get in the car, let me put my song on. But it's frequencies that make you, you know, they, they lift you up or they're going to, you know, if you're going through a heartbreak, you're going to, you know, feel feel more, it's like more sad or it's like whatever it is, the songs should be like a soundtrack to your life and definitely it should move you. It should not just be there for like idol and for as as an idol melody it should be something that sticks with you and that you live with forever and the, and the reason why i feel like my records can you know you can go back and you i can hear a song like dance with me playing in the club last night and it's, it's just you know i feel like the melodies are, are timeless and you know i feel like they resonate with people and the frequencies resonate with with the world and um that comes from, you know, just a lot of trial and error, man, and just writing and writing, writing 600 songs a year, you know, wow. making sure I'm doing a minimum of 600 songs. On a slow year, I'm doing 600 songs. And and just being brutally honest with myself and knowing that everything I write is not amazing. And when you're, when you're able to be honest with yourself, you're able to, I'm able to grow. Like, I'm still growing because I know that, I could be better. And I know that there's, you know, I need to grow because everybody and their mom has stolen my, my melody. So I'm constantly in a state of what's next. What can I create next for everybody to steal from me? That way when I'm writing songs, they don't sound dated because everybody and their mom has used all my melodies that I created. Like I never, I wasn't, I wasn't influenced by music growing up. I wasn't outside of, you know, lyric. I wasn't influenced by, I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music as a kid. So like, oh, okay. you know, so I used to sneak, I would sneak and listen to, I just called to say, I love you by Stevie wonder. Like I would sneak like, like it wow. was the worst shit ever. Yeah. Like, like I was trying to listen to too short. I was trying to listen to, I just called to say, I love you by like the most innocent love <laughs> yeah. song of all time. Right. And I'm like at late at night, three o'clock in the morning, sneaking, listening to, I just, and then that influenced me, but not enough to where, I write Stevie Wonder melodies, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it influenced me to where 
I wanted to make songs that made people feel like the way Stevie Wonder made me feel. But creating songs, I wrote so many songs like that sounded like nothing because I had nothing to pull from. I I, I couldn't go and tap into Marvin Gaye. I couldn't go tap into Luther Vandross or like, you know, the people that were coming up, I wasn't allowed access to them. So it forced me to create my own sound and my own melody. So now when you listen to my music, you can't relate it. You can't compare it to any older, you know, you can listen to Pharrell and be like, oh, that's Marvin Gaye influence. So you can listen to certain producers, writers, and be like, oh, he really, he really loved James Brown a lot. Or that person really is into Michael Jackson. You know what I'm saying? You yes. can hear the influence melodically. Um, and with me, I, you know, my success, like Peaches and Cream doesn't sound like anything. No. Anywhere doesn't sound like anybody's melody. It doesn't, I didn't pull from anywhere. I didn't be like, oh, I'm going to do my version of, of French Sinatra or, you know, it was just new melodies that, you know, I was hoping that, you know, the artists I worked with could see them because they weren't everyday melodies. And um, it takes time for you to have hits and hits and hits for people to be programmed to the new frequency. And then now I look up and everything's my melody. Yeah. Like they figured it out. They figured it out. Right. So that's that that's incredible and so cool to hear you expand upon it and you know explain like where it comes from and and even yeah. you know people need to obviously just look up your uh your your Wikipedia to see the extent uh, of everything. You know, you know? My, my, Wiki, my Wikipedia sucks by the way. Okay, like, well not so Wikipedia, inaccurate. but they need to we need you know we like need one day yeah, is, they can go to you know they can go to Pooh Bear Pooh Bear Music um Poobear.com. Okay. Poobear.com. Poobear.com. Yeah. Poobear.com. No, just Poobear.com. That's it. Poobear.com, and you'll be able to see it goes back to like 1996, 97 of songs, you know, from right. Pink, you know, Pink's first album. and Crazy. But um, yeah, that's that's a way to really check my discography is going to Poobear.com. Yeah, people need to check that, you know, and like the... You know, and, and even we didn't even name so many of the songs. I mean, and you work so closely with Justin Bieber and almost yeah. like gave him not like a second chance, but I feel like you've you've breathed a different. Uh, yeah. You, the the yeah, same man, way was, you inputted was, the soul, gone. right, to everything else, you were yes. able to bring it out the soul so, within him. And he was, it, yes. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that I, you know what I want to say? No other artist in the world has ever valued me or believed in me the way that Justin Bieber does. And I, I often I joke, I'm like, man, it took it took all these years. I wrote all these big records with black artists. It took a Canadian to say my name out loud <laughs> in public. Right. For me to actually get like the credit that, you know. Yeah. I, and my thing is like, I don't even really want like credit like that. I understand that the fans the fans have to have a connection to the artists. And, you know, therefore, if, you know, a, a fan is listening to the music, he can't think that he has a uh, an emotional connection to this big black guy. It has to be, yo, I really relate to Justin or I really relate to whoever they think, you know, they feel like these words are coming from. Mm. So I never really cared about my credit because I always got publishing. And always, if you looked on the albums, I always got my, you know, my credentials, but right. as far as people saying my name or like interviews, nobody ever would mention my name in an interview. They, like, they would just be like, 
oh no, I thought of this song, I was thinking of this, and they would create a whole new story of how they came up with something that I came up with. Right. And I got used to it over the years, you know, because I just wanted to be able to buy my mom a house, man. I didn't care. Yeah. I, I just want to, I didn't want to be famous. I was like, I just want to be able to buy my mom a house and to be able to eat when, I'm, when we're hungry and all, you know, the normal things that people want in life. And, um, but it took Justin Bieber to like believe in me and be like, yo, you know, even after Journals, that was Journals was the first album I wrote for Justin. Okay. And um, it didn't do well back then. It, it, you know, it ended up doing well now, but I thought Justin was going to be done with me because, you know, the label, you know, they, they, they kind of sabotaged it on purpose and I get it. You know, he was in a dark place. So I, I understand it. But um, I didn't think Justin would ever work with me again after Journals was, back then, wasn't a success at that time. And he proved me wrong, man. He, you know, I went on to do, you know, Purpose, you know, 16 out of the 18 songs on Purpose. Wow. And I wrote Changes, the whole, the whole entire, you know, wrote and produced the entire album. And um, it, for me, I've never got a chance to write that many. Like, I've never had somebody believe in me that much. You know, they, they're just on to the next writer, whoever they feel like is the next hot guy. Right. So I always got to say thank you to Justin Bieber for believing in me more than any other artist in my whole career and taking a chance with me, you know, with, with multiple albums and multiple songs. And um, just I'm I'm never I'll never take that lightly. I like to just I like to make I like to shed light on that because yeah. I worked with a lot of yeah. artists in my culture that were the same color as me. And they just wanted to take the credit for themselves, you know. That's so, in, that's interesting, and that's dope. That's a testament yeah. to him and who he is, I think, and his character because he, it, you know, didn't didn't have to do that, like is. you said. So that's no, huge. he could have he could have did like what everybody else did and just right. made everybody else feel like you know. But he's like, nah, we did this together, and that's all I kind of, you know. After he started doing that, I was like, you know what? That's fair. Like you don't have to, you know. That's fair. You don't have to just take all my credit we could just say we did it together and I'm like really happy with that you know right, and right. a lot of artists in other countries that I worked with that I had major success with when I left those countries they they forgot about me and in the interviews they you know they were like and they were like who'd you do this album with and they'd be like oh no I had somebody help me with a word here or there but it was never like Oh, Pooh did my album with me, so it was like for Justin right. to do it. I was like, yo, I felt weird. I was like, yo, you don't have to do that. And he was like, I want everybody to know who you are and what you're what, what you're responsible for. I want everybody in the world to value you like I value you. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's not necessary. I was like, they gotta, they have to fall in love with you, and you know, not with, with not with. They don't need to know that these words are you know are coming from me. And he was like, no, Pooh Bear, I need everybody to know. And I'm just, it just was like a whole another level of security. And, like, I just felt like it come, everything kind of boils down to, like, self-esteem, you know? Like, like why would somebody not yeah. want to give somebody some credit on something that they actually did? Right. If they had, if they had self-esteem, you know yeah. what I mean? If they were confident about themselves, like, no, I bring this to the table. I bring my voice. I bring my star power to the table. Like, it's equal. I can't have a hit record without the, without a hit artist. So it's like, it's still a collective, you know, effort. And um, so I just, you know, I, Justin was the only person to ever, like, lock in with me. And, you know, and our, our history, you know, tells, you know, it's like when people believe in me, believe in me. We make a lot. We do a lot. You know, we, we have big success, man. When I feel like I have to audition, I don't want to work with artists that I feel like I have to audition for. 
I, so, I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got yeah. to prove, prove myself outside of my 600 million records that I sold. All right, let me let me prove myself to you. You know what I mean? And then really value your opinion. And that's the thing, too. Like, everybody, like, all these labels and stuff, they, they always have opinions, but none of them have ever written a hit or produced a hit. Right. So it's like, what are you basing your your theories off of like have you written records that worked and written records that didn't work and you're able to say oh i get it this worked because of x y and z this worked because of, and it's like no they just they just get paid and they're supposed to have something to say in an opinion but they don't you know what i mean it's, they don't have a clue man i feel like i feel like the industry executives should be like producers and hit writers that like actually know and they've touched it and created it and not just saying it because they're looking around the room and everybody's bobbing their heads and they're supposed to get it yeah but they don't really get it but they get paid to get it you know what I'm saying? Right. they get paid to get it they got to show their so, boss that they're saying something they got, <laughs> yeah yep and that they had something to do with the record yeah. like oh yeah i was the one that said yo maybe you should work with such and such like everybody exactly. just wants credit for for shit they ain't really, that, that, that has no meaning yeah <laughs> Do uh, so, have you do you DJ at all? Like, have you ever been a DJ or ever tried it? No, no. I, um, I just no. I just worked with a lot of DJs, man. I, I I actually thought about it, um, but I just for me, it's like anything that I feel like is gonna take me away from being creative. Yeah, I just stay away from it. You know, I just don't want to. I've seen a lot of producers and writers have successful careers, and then they get then they become. They, they either go into a building or, you know, the order might become a DJ, which is nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, it's like you just lose what got you in the position to where everybody loves you. Like people love you and they they want you in these positions because of what you've done, like because of the, re- the records we've written or produced. So like when you go in in the building as an executive, like, oh, now I'm going to be an executive. It's like. The artists don't respect you anymore because now you don't want to work with them because you're an executive now. But you really, if it wasn't for those artists, the, the labels wouldn't even have looked at you to be an executive. So it's like, I just always never wanted to lose myself, lose my creativity, um, do anything that's going to take me away from what got me to where I am today. It's really important. And I've seen so many writers and producers come and go over the years and they're just constantly, you know, trying to, you know, elevating like all right you know they got all suits there in the office but then it's like but that's not what got you to where why people like you like people like you because of your your talent yeah and then for for them they want to go to the next level and be and be respected in the exec world but then they lose everything because those executives only respect hits yeah and the second you're not involved with a hit or finding a hit or be or connected to a hit artist you lose your job, and now the only the only reason why they ever hired you is because of your success as a songwriter producer. So then you're back to zero, and that, at that time your sound's gone. You're done. So it's like for me, it's just always keeping, it's being aware of those things, and and not just taking up all like new things and when people offer me big bags of money to do things. And like yo, this is gonna affect my bottom line. This is gonna affect what got me. To where people want to give me lots of money, so why would I take a? Why would I stop doing what 
got me to where I am right now based on me feeling like I want to be expected and I want to be respected in the, in the executive world. Yeah. You know, and, um, or, or, or even as a DJ, I love, you know, my friends are DJ, my best friends are DJs, man, Sonny and ghetto. These are my closest friends. And I, of course, you know, my, 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 I have to go Pasquale who owns EDC and these are my brothers. So I'm like, of course I'm like, yo, I want to DJ. Cause I'm like, it's, Right. I can just go out. I just perform and do festivals, and and then of course it's like it's just not easy, man. And yeah. then, and then I, I'm like, I don't want to take away from my ability to be able to write. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, keeping DJing. that focus. Yeah, like you yeah, said, man. like not losing. I mean, I think you haven't lost focus your whole career, it seems, and that's kind no. of like a running line of why you're successful, and you've kept your eye on what you're doing and and what the important parts of it are. Yeah, it's just it's just easy to it's just easy to get comfortable. It's easy to get complacent. Yeah, and I think that's why most writers producers are only around for three years because they start celebrating. Man, they get one hit, True. and they in the club popping bottles. You can't they can't concede it. They want to be an artist. They they don't want to work with like and then so when when they're not hot anymore in the song and that song is gone, nobody wants to work with them because you they changed. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. cocky. They're and when the artist wanted to work with them, it's like, nah, I'm, I'm focusing on me right now. And it's like, wait a minute, you, you've always been a producer, writer. When are you, how did you stop? When did you just start focusing on, you know, forcing yourself to be on these songs and, oh, you can't have this record unless I'm on there. Like that's song, that's things, things that songwriters and producers start to do once they start feeling themselves. Right. And then they'll look up and nobody's there for them anymore. Like nobody wants their songs. Nobody, their sound is dated and they haven't, and they and they and they were so into themselves that they didn't have a chance to grow, right, you know, because right. they felt like they they felt like they made it. And I I don't feel like I made it to this day. I could drive whatever Rolls Royces, whatever, and I don't feel like I made it, man. And I don't feel like I just feel like I, I'm still learning and I'm still growing, and I want to get better. Like I want to get keep getting better, and I think that's how I I stay. Like I don't feel like everybody. Like, I don't feel like I've been acknowledged in the music business. You know, I feel like right. certain people acknowledge me, but overall, I'm, I haven't been acknowledged. And it's kind of cool because it, may, it keeps a fire lit up under me. Like, yo, they don't see you. Like, no matter what you've done, I've written hits in every genre. They won't acknowledge me. They don't even have a song. They don't even have songwriter of the year in the Grammys. They have producer of the year and record of the year. See how right, much they value songwriter? Yeah. Because you wouldn't have a producer of the year unless you had a hit song. Right, exactly. The producer of the year only is in that category because of their hit song that they had out that year or, or plethora so of hit songs. Yeah. So if they took the songs off it and just played the music, nobody wouldn't give a shit. People don't sing the music. They sing the song. But yet they don't value writers like they value producers. So hence why I started producing. You know what I mean? For my first 10, 15 years, I was top line. I mean, I'm like, oh, they don't respect me. I got to actually... Like, I got, I, you know, I didn't even get nominated for Where Are You Now because Diplo didn't want to give me producer credit. Oh, wow. So when that song won a Grammy, a song that I brought from yeah. my heart and my soul, uh -huh. only Skrillex, Diplo, and Justin Bieber won a Grammy. I didn't. And the song wouldn't exist if I wasn't born. That's there would be crazy. no Where Are You wow. Now. Wow. So, and that's because I wasn't listed. I wasn't credited as a producer. Yeah. But I brought the song. There would be no song without without Pooh Bear. So it's like after learning and missing out on 
you know, Grammys because they don't give a fuck about, excuse my language, they don't care about no, writers. Okay. And we're, yeah. we're the ones, like, you can't sing a song without the song. You, the artists, like, I've heard songs that are acapella. You know, we've heard Yesterday by Boys and Men. We've heard Shy. And if I ever, I've just never, I've never heard of a hit beat on the radio on the Hot 100. I've just never heard of a hit beat that's yeah. on a, I've seen songs on the Hot 100 that were acapellas. Right. So it means it means a lot, but like I said, right as of now, I haven't been acknowledged, man, and I'm working hard so that not just for me, but for all writers to just be respected on the same level as a producer. Because without us, there will be nothing. There will be no music industry. There will be nothing. It will just be music. That's why there's a million producers and there's only like five writers. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, it's a very it's small. Five community. major songwriters in the world, and there's like everybody makes beats. Right, everybody. My dad, my dad made beat. My dad, eighty, he made beat. Like everybody <laughs> makes beats. So it's right. like, what makes the beat special is the song. It's like, it's the song that goes on top of it that moves you. You don't wake up like, oh, I gotta hear that beat. Like, no, you want to hear the melody that moved you. So, I'm working hard to be able to for for songwriters in a whole to be acknowledged and uh, you know not being just looked over man because they don't you know i'm the first songwriter to charge a fee to write a song in history oh really I, they weren't paying yeah like they just like well you get publishing i'm like yeah well so does the producer right so how does the producer get a fee to make a beat and they get money off of publishing and record sales right like well you know you you're the writer so you're gonna make money whether they recoup their money or not and i'm like that's not fair that's not fair so i started back in 2001 2002 I started charging, you know, three thousand dollars. I started off at like thirty five hundred dollars, you know. Yeah. Up till you know, I did now. Today, I'll, I'll charge somebody if I really, really, you know, if I really not, if I don't have the time, and I'm really, I'll charge somebody two hundred thousand dollars for a song for me to go before I think of a word. Right. You got to send me a wire. So it's like I raised the bar. I, I, as a songwriter, I started creating value for us. So now other writers can go and be like, well, give me $5,000. And they'd be like, well, we don't pay writers. Like, yeah, you do. You pay Pooh Bear. And they have to be like, it's true. We do pay Pooh Bear. But he's Pooh Bear. But you got to start off somewhere, you know, and you got to be valued. So I'm I'm working as a writer, you know, slash producer to be valued as a writer and and for writers in a whole to just be taken seriously and not just looked over, man. Yeah. That's huge. And, I, and I gotta, I gotta, I hate to get off, but I gotta, it's three o'clock now. I love talking to you. It's it would be good. cool to maybe, you know, to, to do this again, man, to do a part two. I would, I would love to. Yeah, to yeah, do a we part should do two, a part man. two because people, you have such an inspirational story and so many amazing things have happened in your life from the beginning. And then also your whole entrepreneurial world with all your other businesses. Yes. I want to talk about oh H Factor Water and your your joint yes. venture, birthday music, Pretty Live, Wonder, Wonder Bread, Def Jam, Def yeah, Jam, the Book of the Bill, the NFT, I, I have all that. Yeah, oh my God, I do have a song, um, the Book and the Bill. Uh, Distance Shore is number ten at radio. Thank God, hey. as of Sunday, nice. we're climbing. We got the Joel Corey remix out. Yeah, and I did that record with Sasha. Shindo and um and the bill um, and we got a whole album coming out called the book and the bill so make sure don't. you listen up for that and um please set up a part two and let's done let's knock it out let don't wait don't waste time man okay okay we'll do this set up a part two. thank you and that for way taking we keep the everybody time. like yeah we keep everybody on the you know man on the limb hanging on yes until the next episode it's a, cl- it's a cliffhanger it's the next episode <laughs> absolutely all right yo Pooh Bear, thanks for taking the time uh i will yes, we will sir. talk to you soon
Yes, sir. Great talking to you. Talk right. to you soon. Part two coming up. Happy right, birthday. Part two coming. Birthday. Right. Happy birthday. Bye. Peace. All right, that was short and sweet. Thank you to Pooh Bear for coming on the show. That's right, we're not going to waste any time. We got to get him on for a part two. There was so much to talk about. His story of growing up and all the things that happened to him is so amazing. You guys need to hear it. So look him up if you can and and learn about that. Um, And all of his things he has coming are just incredible. So thank you guys for tuning in. All my Beat Sorcerers, the 20 podcast is produced by Beat Source. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. I'm DJ Spider signing off. Peace. And that was the 20 with DJ Spider.